Farms the ladies working dog group. Are you feeling stuck with your gun dog training? Trust me, you're not alone, and that's exactly why you need to be here. Every week, we'll bring you the best tips and hacks to make training your gun dog easy peasy. We'll keep it straightforward, no fuss, just actionable guidance that you can put straight to use. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode. This week, we're going to be discussing nature versus nurture. And we are going to be talking all about the difference between innate behaviour and trained behaviour in gun dogs. Joining me for this week's episode are LWDG Group experts Claire Denia, Smart Stonycroft Taylor, and Gemma Martin. How are we all today, ladies? Happy to be back for another podcast. It's not too bad, thank you, Joe. I'm really well, thank you, Joe. How are you? Fabulous. Now, I've got to be honest, even though I'm going to be asking the questions. I'm sure I'm going to miss questions because I don't really completely understand the topic. And I say that from a sense of I I, lead, I need your leading and your wisdom on this. So how can we recognize or know the fundamental sort of differences between innate behaviors and trained behaviors in gun dogs? Easiest way to describe it probably is an an, an an innate behaviour, which I struggle to even say that word, so that's not very useful. An innate behaviour is something that is genetically hardwired into the dog or the being, whatever you're talking about. Um, and it's something the dog is just predisposed to do. So it's something that's genetically there. They're hardwired to do it. You don't have to train it. It's just in their being. It's in their nature to do that um some people describe it as almost like a reflex behavior so something that happens as a response to something else but it's just there genetically you haven't you haven't trained it it's not something that you've got to um teach the dog how to do it it's just there so are we talking about things like you can roll a ball for a pup and it can bring it straight back to you and you you've never taught you anything at all yeah, that is an example, but yeah, I think more behaviours perhaps that people might more spring to mind as something really obvious is look at a spaniel as an example. A spaniel genetically hunts, you know, you don't have to teach them to get their nose down and look for something. Um, it's just there naturally. The dog naturally does it. If you look at the HPR breeds, um, and the pointers and the setters, the the art of pointing, it's genetically there. It's not a behaviour that you can teach them to do. It is something that you can harness and something that you can nurture, but it's not something that you have to teach the dog from scratch. It's just literally there. So how do we how do we recognise these differences, and and what difference do they have to our training? I think with training any gun dog, it's important to know what they've been genetically bred to do. So you don't want to have a spaniel and then it come as a shock that they're going to want to get their nose down and work a million miles an hour trying to hunt things out. <clears throat> so in order to start training these behaviours and nurturing them, like Claire said, it's really important that we know what kind of behaviours have been bred into our dogs to start with so that we can then 
see them when they happen and notice them and then either nurture them or, or mould them to how we need them to be. Is it then like, so for example, spaniels by nature, shall we say, although they retrieve, it's not something that's sort of innate in them because they weren't bred for retrieving. They were bred for hunting, as we've sort of touched on. So is this sort of a case where we may be looking for something in our dog that isn't actually there? So, yeah, as far as the things that aren't necessarily bred into the dog, so obviously a spaniel's drive to retrieve isn't going to be as strong as a Labrador's, for example. Knowing that that's the case with a spaniel, retrieving is something I would try to drill in from a young age and make it super, super rewarding for them because we know that the hunting and getting their noses down is already going to be rewarding because it's in their genetics to do it. So we don't have to focus on that so much as a young dog because we know it's going to come eventually, if not already there. So the retrieving and things that don't come so innately are the things I would focus on first. So maybe a little bit of steadiness, a little bit of fun retrieving, getting those foundations in first before then nurturing the innate skills. Yeah, I agree with what you said exactly, Gem. And one of the things that I say to my clients very often, I think we've spoken about this on other podcasts, the majority of people that I see for gum dog training now are either doing it just as a skill set with their pet, pet gum dog or they want a good all round gum dog. I don't so often now find people are buying a breed to specifically only do the innate behavior that it was bred or born to do. So in, with what Jem just said there, I will often say to a Spaniel owner, if they say to me, I want a really nice all-round gun dog that can do a bit of hunting, do a bit of picking up, they might want to dabble in some working tests. Well, we know, based on what Jem's just said and what that dog's nature is, that the hunting is going to be the most instinctual to that dog. So if they want it to be able to retrieve nicely, and they want it to be able to be multi-skilled, you do need to train those lesser instinctual behaviours early on before you really get their head too much into the thing that they most naturally desire to do, which is the hunting. So as Jem said, you would get that retrieve training in earlier and make sure you build a bit of desire in that before letting them get too absorbed into the thing that, that comes more naturally to them which is the hunting so you would always be looking at what are the dogs most instinctual or na natural behaviors which ones are less natural and you would want to maybe focus on the less natural ones earlier because which you don't need to train they're there anyway we're just gonna enhance them control them and work with the dog with them so question if we look if we look at a spaniel so hunting um comes incredibly naturally to the dog retrieving they can do but we can develop but is it already sort of natural like for example goose at the moment he can crawl he can crawl for a treat right he like crawl across the floor he's like little uh army soldier uh crawls a couple of spaces and he can retreat like that's not a a, a natural behavior as far as i'm aware maybe it is but but i, I think he's doing it um because we've trained him to do it. So that's like uh, a trained behaviour. Can dogs have like varying degrees of natural abilities across things? Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And yes, that's absolutely right. Some dogs, you know, some Spaniels are more natural retrievers than other Spaniels. 
the hunting is still their most instinctual thing but some spaniels do have more of a desire to retrieve than others for sure but even when I look at Labradors not all Labradors are really really natural retrievers you know I work with a lot of reluctant retrievers and some of which are retrieving breeds that should be their most instinctual thing but some of them have a much stronger drive to do it than others and some of that will be because of the breeding the backlight what's come up through the lines with that dog will make a difference so not just the breed traits but the breed traits within that specific line can make a difference as well I think added to which we've got to be really aware that with young young puppies if we do something slightly wrong so say you have got a Labrador puppy that's actually really really keen on picking things up and carrying them to you we can squash unawarely that desire to bring you things by starting to tell it off and rip things out of its mouth and do all the things that might start to put it off so we can equally start to squash all the natural desires if we wrongly reprimand them or do things too early on as well so it's sort of a fine balance of nurturing that innate behavior and bringing on those behaviors that maybe aren't so naturally inbuilt to the dog as well so it's, it's being aware of all aspects so we can work with a natural behavior or squash it or we can work with a trained behavior or squash that as well you absolutely can um that goes both ways for both um nature um and those innate behaviors and also for the trained behaviors both can be nurtured and brought through and brought on and developed um, and both can be squashed really quite easily in some cases especially if it's a trained behaviour that isn't very natural to that dog, you can squash it very easily by going into heavy handed, being um, too rigid too quickly. You know, when you look at a reluctant retriever, that's a really good example. If people try and oversteady that dog too quickly or they get too hung up on the precision of a line with a dog that's only just built a little bit of desire to even run out in the first place, you can really squash those behaviours really quickly. So I think it is always worth considering those more natural behaviours, the ones that the dog is bred and born with, tend to hold fast much better than the trained ones. You can squash the trained ones much, much more easily. So if we want to work with our gun dogs to the best of our ability, obviously, from what you're saying, it helps us to understand what they natural capabilities and abilities will be so how do we recognize the uh, natural abilities in our dogs so I think obviously it helps if you've got an understanding of what your dog's breeds are capable of before you go into puppy ownership that would be the first way to sort of begin to recognize but then you want to look at what your dog is showing you so if, like Gemma said a moment ago, if your dog is constantly picking something up and sort of wagging its tail and coming over to you and and showing you what it's got, then it's showing you it's got a good it's, it's got good um, drive to naturally retrieve things to bring them back and to share them with you. If you've taken your dog out and it's forever wanting to be nose to the floor and in the hedges, then you've got a good idea that obviously it wants to hunt and so you can work with those desires to build the best you obviously you don't want your dog being self-employed you want your dog to work with you 
But look for those key signs as a young dog or as a new dog to you and see what the dog is showing you and then work with those for the best for both of you. Okay, fabulous. So in what ways can we train behaviours that complement sort of these innate behaviours? Like, well, my question here is, like, should we only work with their natural behaviours or is there trained behaviours we can put in around it to, to support it and improve the dog's performance? So you can train a dog to do something that isn't naturally a behaviour that it's born with. You You absolutely can, you know. I've had all sorts of breeds come and do gun dog training with me. You just have to appreciate they might have to they might have a slightly different style um, or a different amount of drive. A good example of that was a collie that used to come and do gun dog training with me. Now, if you think about what a collie is bred for, they're bred to herd. Um, so this collie was amazing. I mean, he was so talented, but you'd send him on a retrieve and he would start running out really fast. And then he'd go into a stalk as he got toward the dummy and he would literally freeze and then he'd pounce on it. And you can't get hung up about that because he was doing what is naturally coming to him, which he was coming up on that prey and stalking it and being waiting being t- waiting to be told what to do next so his handler would have to tell him to get it at that point because otherwise it's quite likely he might have just circled it in all honesty um but she would say get it and he would just pounce on it so you absolutely can train a dog to do something that isn't something they were naturally born to do but you just have to appreciate that it might come with some quirks it might come with a little bit of a different desire or a different look to it and you shouldn't be put off by that it doesn't mean the dog can't do the job the dog was more than capable of doing those retreats he just did them in a slightly different fashion so to speak yeah and I totally echo what Claire's just said I mean we've we've even had um a Bichon cross terrier that's come to gun dog training and learned how to retrieve and done stop whistle and all those things that any dog is capable of training it to do basically whatever you want it to do even with our innate behaviors though I mean if a spaniel had its choice it probably wouldn't hunt how we want a spaniel to hunt they would hunt probably half the county at a rate of knots and be everywhere at once so we need to train them within that innate behavior to do something that's going to be beneficial to both of us we want them to stay close we don't want them to chase things so it's not just about letting the dog run with that natural behavior because then it probably will all go wrong so yeah it's molding those things as well I think also probably one of the easiest ways to sort of think about those innate behaviors and those trained behaviors if you look if you compare is a is not the right word but I can't think of a better one if you compare compare the abilities of a spaniel and those of a labrador they're both bred to to hunt to certain degrees your spaniel would normally traditionally be obviously the flushing your labrador would be the retrieving but there are many many labradors out there alongside other breeds as well that don't have this in their breeding but they are more than capable of working the beating line um you know they just you can teach them the turn whistle. You can teach them to hunt and to flush and to work with you, but they don't necessarily look as stylish as the spaniel does because it comes more naturally to the spaniel. Does that make sense? 
yeah and if you think about it pretty much i suppose every dog can hunt because it's in all their dna to find and kill prey it's what you're saying there sam is they just don't look the same doing it like we have bred the spaniel to be flashy haven't we Exactly that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can, I could go ice skating, but I'd never be as talented as someone that was like born to be an ice skater. You know, I would faff my way across the ice and probably fall over a hundred times. Whereas someone that had that natural balance would be much better at creating something that was really fantastic to watch. So like you've just said, you know, every dog knows how to hunt, but they've all got their own ways of communicating it their own ways of doing it and we just want to tap into that and sometimes say to them you know we're going to give you your outlet to go hunting but potentially just come and do it this way and it won't be as flashy as the dog that is purely designed to do that i just had a thought you guys are going to cringe now because when claire has a thought it's not usually good is it <laughs> but i just had a thought i just described to you that collie right did anybody else think what that actually is very similar to when I was saying it and I hadn't I, in all the years working with that dog never actually thought this and I've just thought it now can anyone when guess what I thought Walter. yes Walter. it literally looked like it was pointing obviously it wasn't pointing but it actually was it went into such a stalk mode and froze that, yeah. That's, sorry, I just needed to share that little thought that just popped into my head then because I was literally like, oh, my God, it was pointing. Am I putting this, um like, huge thought into the podcast? Very shareable thought. Thank you for sharing that, Claire. But, yeah, I, I can definitely see what you're saying there. The, that behaviour, if you... Think of the mechanics of that behavior. They are very, very similar, aren't they? And like you said, the owner have to say, get it for it to actually then, for the want of a better word, flash. So, ladies, how do we adapt our training techniques to like suit a dog's inherent nature while also instilling the new behaviors we want to see? Because, like, for example, we hear it all the time in the group. That's all they want to do is hunt. That's, you know, the hunt, 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 hunt. Or, you know, they've got no interest in hunting whatsoever. How do we adapt our training to help them to nurture trained behaviours alongside? Um, so I say this to clients quite a lot, and it's about working with your dog and not against them. So you're never going to form a great relationship with your dog if you're always saying to a spaniel, no, you can't hunt. I don't want you to hunt. I can't, don't want you to do it. It's bred into them. So, yeah, you need to work with them so that you can form one, that bond and allow them to do something that's bred into them. So for me, if I've got a spaniel that's super, super, super keen on the retrieving, uh, sorry, the hunting, you would do a retrieve and then maybe reward it with the hunting. Um, so it gets to do something it wants to do. But you're also nurturing that non-natural behavior, that trained behavior, um, but working with both at the same time. Yes, definitely use the dog's natural innate behaviours to reward the things that you're trying to develop and bring on in the dog that maybe aren't so natural. The other thing as well, very often with um, spaniels, John and I will sort of advise that perhaps um, minimise free hunting, get the dog to hunt for the handler so that it is doing it in partnership rather than in a self-employed manner. 
But I think, to be honest, if a lot of people put a lot of thought into the breed that they're getting and tried to give some consideration as to their end goal with that dog, and I know the end goals change, and of course they do, and that's fine, but to to kind of at least try to pick the right breed that suits what it is they want to use that dog for, ultimately, is very, very helpful. I mean... When we were sort of planning this podcast, I, I was doing a little bit of research about some of, and I specifically was doing research in some of the dog breeds that I see behave for behaviour work, because I think this is where it goes wrong a lot, where people don't research the breed that they're getting and they believe they've got behavioural problems, but they haven't got behavioural problems. The dog is doing what it naturally wants to do, what it was bred to do. And a couple of examples that I came up with for that, which were very much like, yes, if, if people hear this, I think it will just help them give a little bit maybe thought to that. So the Jack Russell, a lot of people get the Jack Russell because of its size, okay? And they forget to take into consideration that they're actually a working dog. That just because they're small doesn't mean they're not a working dog. And that they were originally bred to basically flush or push foxes out of dens. I mean, that's a hardcore job role. This is not for the faint-hearted dog, is it? So if they're not given um, good mental stimulation and appropriate exercise, they can be very, very destructive in the home. And that's exactly what I see. If I get called out to work with a Jack Russell, it's usually barking, ripping things up destructive in the home those sorts of behaviors so I was like the dog hasn't really got a behavior problem it just doesn't fit in our world because the handler didn't understand that's how that dog was bred and another one that um I see regularly for behavior work is the Dapsy <laughs> the little Dutch hound and they're hunting dogs and again I think people look at these delicate little dogs and think oh Oh, they're so gorgeous they're so cute they're tiny it would fit in my home I could have five in my small house it would be fine um and actually they're hunting dogs and they can be very very stubborn as a breed as well and a lot of people find that but also they have huge prey drive to chase small furry things <laughs> huge prey drive so people often forget about that so I think a lot of the time we have to consider, are we buying the right dog for the job? But also, if you're not buying it for a job, understand it's natural innate behaviours before purchasing, because otherwise you're going to think that dog's got behavioural problems. But actually, it could be that it is simply displaying what it was bred to do. I'll hand over to somebody else. <laughs> it's really interesting what you say there. And like Charlotte, uh, my daughter, she's just bought a schnauzer pup. I think it's 13 weeks old, went down to her house yesterday and I walk in the room and it is giving it some, it is barking, it is holding its ground, it's like literally going for it. And, and Charlotte says to me, tell me why this is not in the terrier group. And I'm like, I don't know, because its behaviour is very much of like this sort of terrier slash guard dog. So like Charlotte's researched the breed and Charlotte knows where she's gone and she knows that it was like a German farm dog and all this other stuff. But I bet loads of people buy a pet schnauzer never thinking I just bought a working dog. 
behaviours you've just described are ones that clients have contacted me about with that breed as well almost like a guarding nature very like standoffish you know they really they sound like they really mean business as well (laughs) well yeah she's like she's literally a bundle I could put her in my pocket but she was like standing her ground to me and wasn't do you know like you can look at a dog and go it'll give up in a minute she wasn't going to give up, you know. And I just think, well, again, how is it, like you just said, people buy them, they've got them. You know, for most of our ladies, when they bought their dog, they did buy it because they wanted to train it, possibly. They may never have wanted to take it out onto a shoot. But they've got in this their house, we've, we've said again, this predator who is looking for its work, its job to do it. And... For us to work with those natural abilities is fantastic, but trying to switch off those natural abilities is nearly impossible, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we see this a lot in particularly gun dog breeds that are bred to find these special things, and then these special things are the item that are the be all and end all of everything. Um, and then we start to see sort of resource guarding creeping into quite young puppies because people aren't handling that drive for these dogs to get things properly. So the dogs will be picking slippers up and doing God knows what. Um, and of course, normal people are going to run after that puppy and go, oh, don't chop my slipper, don't chop my shoe, don't do this. And they're whipping things out of the dog's mouth. But because that innate nature in the dog is so strong, they keep doing it. But instead of I don't know, stop doing it because that's what the owner wants. They keep doing it and then they work out a way to be able to keep doing it, which is start to growl at the owner or snap at the owner going, no, this is my thing. I found it. It's mine. Um, And I think lots and lots of owners are quite shocked at seeing that behaviour in such a young dog. Um, But it's purely come about because they haven't understood how that dog is wired. And if they'd have just nurtured that behaviour a little bit and gone, oh, what have you got? So lovely and clever and sort of done that sort of nurturing of that behavior it would be totally different because that dog's outlook would change and it would want to bring that owner those things um, because we've built that reward in it so I think it can be quite shocking for people when these natural behaviors start to go a little bit wrong yeah because her pup um, it's tiny you it has to be a natural ability doesn't it like it's 13 weeks the other two dogs don't do anything near what this dog is doing and it could be very, uh, how should I say, if she, if she didn't know what she was doing, it could be very easy to either be on the dog's back about it or to almost encourage it without realising because there's no correction or no distraction or no uh, refocusing of the dog, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And I think so often this is the case. Um And this is why you do get a lot of rehomes. You know, Charlotte knows what she's doing. That's a big difference. She knows what she's doing. She understands the breed, but a lot of people don't. I mean, I look uh, something that's really popular around here is the Beagle. The Beagle is quite a popular breed of dog um, around here. Now, as trainers, we kind of know that you've got to get recall training in with that breed really, really early and get it really solid and really strong because again they were originally bred and designed to to use their nose to track rabbits deer things like that um and so that's there that's built in in them so it's no wonder they wander and go off like doing their own thing but 
this is what we were talking about earlier with the spaniels and the labradors and retrieving and getting it in early if the dog has got an innate built-in natural behavior to range because they're a tracking dog they're a scent dog that you know they're off looking for that scent you've got to get that recall in so early it's no point waiting until that dog is beyond 16 weeks and then thinking oh I might need to do some recall training now no too late you needed to be doing that from eight weeks of age when the puppy was much more dependent on you and the, and this is the thing I think if people have done the research on the breed and they know to expect these things they can train to get them out of trouble they can train to put in the behaviors they need um, and put some controls in place and also give the dogs an outlet to satisfy their needs from those natural behaviors. If they don't know and don't understand, it's impossible to do that. Exactly that. And I think, you know, sometimes as well, it's going back to what you were saying, Joe, about um, Charlotte's dog. Obviously, we've said Charlotte knows that dog. She's done the research. She understands the breed and whatever. But a lot of times, if an owner doesn't understand what the dog was originally bred for or what the dog's natural abilities are when you get a dog that like Gemma describes then starts resource guarding and the owner instead of they can either you know be too much on its back or inadvertently reward it for that behavior or they can show fear and if that fear if that if the owner then suddenly sort of you know steps back bounces back and oh what are you doing and moves away from the dog some dogs are very canny and go okay so if i display this aggressive behavior you back off and i still get what i wanted in the first place so you run the risk then that the dog might stay at that same exact aggressive behavior knowing that that's going to get the response or it might still escalate so again i think this is where it is so important to understand those natural behaviors those instincts that come with a dog to help stop the undesirable behaviors in terms of like aggression or reactivity to help stop them coming about but also then it, it means that you know if you've got a dog that you have inadvertently rewarded or not nurtured its natural desires is then showing even worse undesirable behaviors that's when you get a load of rehoming issues you know and, and as a country at the moment I think we're overwhelmed with dogs that are in centers needing homes which if you tracked the majority of them back they probably would come back to an owner's misunderstanding of what the dog needs to do in some form you think of what level of pet we've created right so if you look at um let's go to boost he's a poodle cross uh bichon we believe so poodle's a hunting dog you'd say a bichon isn't but then bichons descend from water dogs so yes they are to track them back they all track back somewhere to a working dog and i'm sitting having this conversation with you guys and i'm like what dog doesn't track back somewhere to a dog that was a dog that did a job because if you think about it the ones we domesticated to begin with weren't the ones that looked great in handbag they were the ones that could work with us so is it a case of us all understanding that regardless of how sedentary how petified want a word i've made that up i'm sure but regardless of the level of that now we have to understand that all these dogs have this natural wish to work with us 
I think for me, you've pretty much just hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, there will be a few dogs out there that don't have the drive or desire that you would necessarily expect from their breed. Um, but I think, you know, in years gone by, the majority of dogs were working dogs. They were there to help their owner do a job of some purpose, be that a livestock dog, a protection dog, a gun dog, you know, you name it. They had a job. And what we've got now are descendants of those first original dogs. Um, you also think, you know, they used to live in kennels predominantly. So it was, a, we've spoken about this before, but it was a lot harder to inadvertently reward undesirable behaviors because essentially the dog came out of its kennel, did its job and went back in its kennel again. So you were using its natural abilities and not, creating issues by having it running and following you around the house all day that's not to say that you can't have a perfectly well-rounded dog living in your house because you can we've all got them um you know and it's really it, it is possible to do but just thinking back like you said you know they all came from somewhere they've all got a drive a desire to do something we just see it in different degrees with each dog I agree with what you've just said there, Sam. And I think what we have to remember and what you do see in all breeds in different lines, and this is where we're not just talking about breed traits and breed behaviours, but line traits and line behaviours. In some lines, some of those innate and natural behaviours have been really diminished and really weakened. And in other lines, they've been made much more pronounced they've been brought out more the dog has been bred to be more fiery to be more driving more hunty I think I made a word up there too Joe. but yeah um you have it's not just and it goes back to what Sam just said it they all go back to somewhere but how people are breeding those lines of those breeds will weaken or strengthen those innate natural desires um, and behaviours. So that is something we really do have to consider. So when people are looking for the right breed, they also need to have a look at the lines within those breeds to see if they're getting a diluted version, does that line of that breed have that, have that um, desire, that drive, that style, or does it not? And I think that does have to be really considered because when I look at the Cocker Spaniel, I see so many Cocker Spaniels every week. Like, I think that's the breed I see the most of each, or each week, to be honest with you. I see such a variety of a desire and drive and style and all of those things and um, hunt drive and retrieve drive. I see such a variation and a lot of that is down to the line within that breed, not just the breed. So we do have to look at their heritage, where they've come from, and go back and investigate that if we're going to pick the right dog with the needs and the behaviours that we want. Do you really think that in some ways, like not a dog's uh, life, but as, as humans, we have nature versus nurture, don't we? There are things that are naturally part of us. Things we can do, um, like being a bit, the ability to roll your tongue is is a genetic thing. You know, is it that we understand it more in ourselves than maybe we do in our dogs? Because 
I suppose, and I might be wrong, and I'm sure somebody will tell me if I am, we don't have the, that need to uh, fulfill a prey drive. We're, we're a different creature. So our, our nature versus nurture might be very, very different to different outcomes to what a dog has. But do you think that maybe we just don't give them the understanding that we give ourselves? I think quite often we have this vision of our dog that we want in our head. And no matter what research we do or, you know, looking into breeds and stuff, we have this vision in our head of what we want our dog to be. And whatever puppy we get, we then try and mould that puppy into that box because that's the dog that we want. So as much as we try and understand what that dog is about, there's this like thing in the back of our heads going, well, I, I just want it to be this. So we almost try and force it into this thing. And I think we've probably all been slightly guilty of that at one point or another. Um, and as I was talking to you earlier, Joe, we sort of learn through every dog, don't we? And not every dog is going to fit into that box that you want it to. So I think it's it's a bit of a fight internally with us as humans, accepting the fact that that dog maybe doesn't fit in that box and going, well, it wants to do this. So I'm going to work with that to get a better result. I, I agree. And I think it takes us to the podcast we did not that long ago on square peg round hole or round peg square hole, whichever way round it was. Um, it takes us back to that, doesn't it? And I think but I think we do need to just be much more conscious of not labelling dogs as bad dogs. That I, I do agree there are some bad dogs out there. I've met a few. <laughs> but I think we do need to be much more conscious of not labelling dogs as bad dogs or as having behavioural problems. And it, it's in their nature to do the things that they're wanting to do. And without the appropriate outlets and without the appropriate training and, and stimulation, you may see what you deem to be behavioural problems, but it's just that dog trying to be what it is, a dog. Um, and I think, yeah, it is definitely giving that thought to that um, and embracing the dog for what it is. I think too many people are constantly trying to change a dog to fit their little, like Jem just said, they're fitting this picture in their head of what this dog is. And it's like, just appreciate the dog for what it is, for the amazing creature animal that it is and embrace that and work with that dog and enjoy it. You just said something there and I think like shocked me for a second. I thought, oh no, you're absolutely right. It's that misunderstanding of behaviour where the trained by us inadvertently, trained by us uh, on purpose or being naturally in the dog, when they get like these labels of, you know, my dad, my dog's a bad dog, or I can't cope with my dog. Are we talking about behavioral issues or just behavior? Because you are absolutely right. There is a vast difference between a dog that is displaying behaviors that are, are negative or detriment to itself or to something else around it, and a dog that's just um, displaying behaviors. For example, a lot of people talk to us about my dog won't settle but my dog not settling if it's doing sort of the same circles on the carpet over and over in the same place might be a behavioral issue but if it's just wandering around the house it might just be natural behavior a lot of the dogs that I go to see for behavior work the behavior problems are very often not the behaviors that come naturally to the dog 
the behavior problems are the ones that the owners have inadvertently taught their dogs. The behaviors that we see that are innate behaviors, natural behaviors, just need nurturing and tuning to fit in with life. But very rarely, it does happen, but very rarely are those the serious problems that the dog has. The serious problems are very often the ones that have been created by us humans with the way that we have treated the dog. So, ladies, for our listeners who are just like beginning a journey with the gun dog in gun dog training, sort of what advice would you have them about nurturing innate behavior and, you know, nurturing trained behavior? My advice would be understand the breed that you've got. Have a little bit of a plan. Your, your plan and your goal might well change. But have a think about what are the behaviours that you want to bring out in the dog. And if they're not the ones that are the most natural, the innate behaviours, take the time to put those in first, train them first. Um, And the ones that are more natural to the dog, enhance them and bring them out in the dog and, and, and value them in the dog. Exactly that. She pretty much said what I was going to say. But I think also you want to um, consider that if you're finding yourself feeling like you're battling with something, if you you know, you'll think you're on your back foot or it's not going quite how you want it to go, A, how can you adapt it utilising those natural abilities in order to get you back on the right path? And also, is what you're experiencing can it be like a symptom if you like of a natural ability that you have missed so like Claire said you know understand the breed think about your end goal but also if you come up against problems along the way just consider is it those natural instincts trying to come through and you're perhaps trying to block them without realizing it well thank you very much ladies um we have mentioned other podcasts in there please make sure to subscribe, go back to have a look. Um, We are over 100 uh, episodes now, so there is enough to keep you going. Um, A lady mentioned in a message to me the other day that she found us and we kept her company from Cornwall to Liverpool and back, (laughs) which is absolutely fabulous. Um, Thank you very much for your time, as always, ladies. As we conclude today's episode, let's remember that training the gun dog isn't an easy process it isn't an instant process it takes time for us all to do and respecting and appreciating these innate behaviors that the ladies have gone through with us tonight is absolutely part of that um we explored how to understand the differences and i think it's really like the lady said it's about working with that working with us as well if you're not an lwdg group member yet please ladies come along join in with us you get to ask these fabulous trainers your questions work with them and they will help to advance your training incredibly quickly um stay curious keep learning and we shall see you all next week that's it for today's episode a massive thank you for tuning in don't forget to head over to the lwdg and sign up for our membership get access to expert-led training a wonderfully supportive community and the resources you need to become a confident and skilled gun dog trainer Let's take this journey together because no woman should have to train her gun dog alone. We'll see you all next week.